Welcome to the Secrets to Mindful Health podcast. I am your host, Beth Warren. It's the holiday season, or not, if you're listening to this at any time, because the topic that I'm going to speak about today also relates to any type of social eating or eating out. It's typically the biggest angst for many reasons that we're going to go through, partly because you don't have full control in terms of what food choices might be presented to you, unless you do, which we'll discuss, or you know you get anxious in social circles. You may know that the people you're going to be around are not necessarily the people that are so supportive of you or say interesting things that you would never think someone says and make you uncomfortable and you take it out on your food. Whatever the reasons are, we are going to go through how to manage holiday and social eating. And then I'm going to add to that what to do after the fact. A lot of times people are prepping you with tips to do before and they kind of leave you hanging at the end. And I find, and you're going to learn from me today, that it is even more important, not that the previous isn't important, it's even more important what you do after the fact than what may occur during. Because remember, the during might not be fully within your control. The after is your decision. And that makes all the difference, right? Like the poem. So today we're going to go through those ideas. Uh, if you're watching on my YouTube channel at Nourished by Beth, you would see the video of this episode. And festively, I am wearing my pumpkin color lipstick, which interestingly has a flavor. This is not sponsored, but it does put me in the mood. Potentially a new podcast might be about little inspos you can do within yourself to keep yourself motivated that are non-food related, but that's really fun and exciting. So let's get down to it. How to manage holiday eating 101. Social eating, group eating, eating anywhere outside your home. It's all the same thing. If you know me as a registered dietitian of close to 15 years and a mom of six, and I am of the Jewish religion where eating socially is completely within our culture on basically a daily basis. Definitely the weekend Sabbaths where we all sit together and eat a communal family meal, sometimes with friends, sometimes with guests. So this is part of our nature. So if you ever are wondering how to manage social eating, ask a Jewish person. And I'm saying that as a Jewish person myself, but adding to it the dietitian expertise and what I see a lot of you are challenged by, I think I have a pretty good perspective on how I can help you. So what we're going to do here is cut the BS like I always do. Go to the BTS, the behind the scenes reasons, not the obvious things you can do, but some things you can do based on ideas that might not be so obvious until I'm going to point them out. So as you guys well know from listening my podcast, being a client, following me on social media, Instagram at Beth underscore Warren, you very well know that I love to point out the obvious. I'm all about showing you the things that are right in front of you that you didn't really see before and now you can't unsee, but in a good way, 
because when things are obvious they and they open up for you, you're able to put the steps in place to help them and heal and get to your goals. So this isn't going to be all about eat your veggies, right? Obviously, when you're in a meal in a social situation, veggies are your best friends just to slow you down, get you full. Okay, we know all that. We're happy with that. But we're going to point out some other things. The first thing is to prepare for stress. A lot of you all might have thought I was going to say prepare for food, prepare your meals, prepare your drinks. Duh. Okay. Yes. Do all that. Very, very nice. But prepare for a potentially stressful situation. Okay. Especially in holiday season and you're going to be with family. Like, look, we're being real here. Okay. This is not about being PC. This is like you being inside my office. The door is closed and we're getting down to being honest (laughs) and it's okay. We're all, uh, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You know, what happens, what we speak about on this podcast stays within the podcast somehow, but it's hard to be with a lot of family members or certain friends. It's hard. A lot of times what we need to recognize is people's insecurities go on to you. Their own insecurities go on to you. And I know it's so logical and you understand me. Yet when we're in the moments, we're like, but it's hard. It's hard. So you have to walk in there preparing for a difficult, stressful situation in a way that you're honest about it and connecting to it. Obviously, you know, right? Like in the headway, like in your brain, you know, but you're not feeling how stressful it might be and what might come up for you. So if you know, I had a conversation with a client. She's going to a sister-in-law. They have to travel to it. We weren't sure about how long that will take. She's also taking all her kids until they get in the car. She's not sure. She just knows that this family, what we were being honest about and planning for, sits around for a very long time. She already knows that. So not only is she going to a big meal, chaos with her kids, just a lot of overwhelmingness there socially. She doesn't love being social in general. It's hard always with in-laws, let's be honest. But she's still happy to go. It's just a lot. And she now also said, and this specific person, she already knows and to be prepared for that they're going to be sitting there for a very long time versus me. You know, I'm all about put the food out, put the food in, get the dessert out, get the dessert in. I actually like to just sit with tea at the end with guests. I actually move really quickly. So already she knows a lot of things that we might need to prepare for. So now you break this down. When you get more specific, functionally, it helps you to then break down to be able to hinder any of the obstacles that you know might come up. So from there, we broke it down and said, okay, you're not sure about traffic. So it might take a few hours longer. I am always an advocate. And this is one of my further points along to eat than not eat. I don't believe in waiting, 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 because you know, a big meal is coming. We're going to get more to that in a little bit. But so maybe eat something and a snack that's filling enough because you are going to go to a meal but you're not just looking to kind of grab a fruit. You should do something like a carrots and hummus or avocado and cucumbers, like something that feels a little bit meal-like with fiber and protein that can give you the bulk in order to get you to the meal and have you be able to keep calm in the chaos and focused and mindful and present and present, okay? So, and then once you get there, if you know it's gonna lag on, make your choices, time yourself out. 
Okay. So prepare for the stress is the first thing of what might come up. Other stresses that might come up, like I started sharing, is just completely inappropriate comments. And a lot of times we know this family member always says something inappropriate. And I have clients that say that too. And they know that their mom always makes this comment and has to say something about what they're eating, what they're wearing. Uh, they're, and they might even say physical things like, you know, your legs are really skinny in those pants or opposite, you know, like that's not a flattering outfit, whatever, just completely things that someone like me is going to be like, I can't believe people say that, but I also understand people say that. Um, that's where you set boundaries. And I've spoken about that in other podcasts that you really, you could practice it in the mirror. You could write five things down that you know you can say. Um, and you have to empower yourself to speak up, I think. So you can say, uh, first of all, you also saying nothing is saying a lot. So sometimes you can just look at them until they realize they're being inappropriate. Um, you can also say, uh, I, I, why would you ask me that is another one I always tell people. Why would you ask me that? Why do you want to know? Uh, you could set the question back on them. Um, you can you can literally say, I'm not answering that question. <laughs> and prepare for those stressful situations if you know those family members are there. Get ready for the questions, okay? Not in a way that's overwhelming you before you even get there, but in a way that empowers you and prepares you for what to do in those situations. That leads me to my second point, which is feel okay with stepping out and taking space. That doesn't always mean it's because someone's being inappropriate. It just led me to that point because if someone's being inappropriate and you're feeling overwhelmed with saying anything, even though you practiced and you were ready, it's not always easy. It's not easy with family. There's a lot of past trauma. There's a lot of overwhelmingness, maybe four coming at you at the same time. Whatever is going on, you're allowed to get up and take space. You're allowed to just get out of there. You are. When I learned that later in life, first of all, it actually allowed me to show up a lot more often than I was before. When I recognize that if I feel uncomfortable or something's inappropriate, I can get up and I can leave. And it's so interesting that we need to teach ourselves that as adults, especially if your past history is sitting and staying and taking it in whatever situations it was. And yet all you need is that little cue and permission to yourself to be like, Beth, you can get up and leave. Why do you have to feel you need to take this? You don't. You're an adult. You can leave. I want to say that the same when it comes to food, too. It doesn't have to always mean a person's being inappropriate. It can just be that the food feels overwhelming for you. It's about the food, let's say, for you or also about the food. And they're serving a ton of stuff and you're getting really excited and the smell's amazing and you're feeling the worked up feeling. I hate the word trigger sometimes, but let's say you're feeling triggered to overeat because you're just getting very excited. And maybe you even skipped my first tip of having the snack before. So now you really are starving. So you actually feel that your decisions are not coming from a grounded place. They're they're coming from a place that you know you're going to regret later because you're we're talking about it here and you know you feel yourself um coming from that place of like impulse versus mindful decisions take a step out take a step out go to the bathroom i said in a previous podcast which is funny go to the bathroom again and then use that boundary conversation if someone says why go in the bathroom again be like why are you asking me that question why are you so curious Whatever you need to do for yourself, step out, take a deep breath. A lot of times holiday situations are flowy, go in and out, 
take a breath. It's gorgeous fall weather. If you're listening to this during the season, take a step out. Um, go play with the little kids. Go sit on the little kids table. Chill with them if you need a break. You're completely allowed and can take space and time in the moments that feel like that's beyond your control. It's not. There's always a way to slow down. I actually just posted a reel on my Instagram, Beth underscore Warren, where I had the best time ever. I was taken on a food crawl into Baltimore. We call it a food crawl because I'm friends with a lot of kosher food bloggers. Fly Chicks Magazine uh, had it sponsored, AJ Madison. It was a really fun foodie day. We woke up very early, road tripped three and a half hours and incorporated what we call this food crawl, which is what we do when we get together, where we try a lot of the kosher restaurants in the area back to back. Okay like back-to-back restaurants, imagine. And I actually love that because first of all, I do what I do because I love food. This isn't about taking away from food. This is what I call in other podcasts you might've heard, like create memorable food experiences. It's very important. I love food. So I, to help myself pace myself, that's even overwhelming for me, going to one restaurant to another. Also, I'm with a lot of foodie friends. We all love food. Everybody's eating around you. Everybody sometimes is eating quickly. We're all really excited. We're all talking about the food. We all want to taste it. But so I even feel overwhelmed. I even feel like I need to slow down. Yet everything around me is fast paced. We're going to the next place. Everyone's eating and they're serving it. We're rushing to the next place. What I did was when we went to a Chinese restaurant after a pastry bakery that I did indulge because I love pastries and I love French pastries and I love breakfast food and I was very happy to do it. But now I needed to slow down and everything around me was not slowing down. So I took the green tea that in my history I've never touched in my life that they put on the table and I started just drinking tea with everything going on around me and all the food being put on the table and everyone's super excited. I just was like, I need a second. And I poured the tea. And when I was pouring the tea, I was very focused on the tea. I was watching the tea be poured. I held it in two hands. I took a breath of how hot it was. I drank it slowly. And I also kept refilling. And that helped me because I did taste the Chinese, but I would reference it as tasting. I took a few options. I looked for the veggies. I looked for like more of the soup options. And I fully recognize, and this is a point later, that the sodium was going to be through the roof because I'm very sensitive to sodium. And any Chinese you get, even though this place was very good quality, Chinese is very salty. But still, I wanted to taste and be a part of it. That was my decision. But having the tea and sipping slowly really helped me take space in the moment, take my time and re- make sure I was still in tune with myself. I'm making sure that I was still in not only the present moment on the outside, but the present moment within myself. And that felt great. You should not go starving. That's point number three. And this is where the obvious thing that I can never not say. I always have to say it, guys. I always have to say it. And the reason why I'm saying it is not just the obvious, oh, be full going into it. It's that you also always want to be careful with any tips you do to manifest and and create positive behaviors for the future. Everything about your weight or wellness journey is not only about now. I'm never worried about getting someone to lose weight now. You could do any crazy thing and lose weight now. It's how are you going to keep it off? And you got to think of your mindset through all of this and working with that mindset set in the same time. It's an amazing opportunity to do so. You're in the right frame of focus to work with the mind. You're very motivated. So it's such a missed opportunity when you're only doing the food, only doing the food. Tell me what to eat. I only want to know what to eat. And you're not 
checking in with your mind because if you have the mentality, I still call it the Weight Watchers mentality. Sorry. I don't even think they ever really changed where you kind of save your points for later because you know it's going to be a big meal. That is completely counterproductive to the whole idea of eating intuitively. Remember, guys, I don't call myself an intuitive eating dietitian. I've always worked with intuition. It's called mindful eating. Susan Albright was one of the first people that I used to read about and research years ago before the intuitive um, intuitive mo movement because I don't shame weight loss. It's all about intention and overall health and wellness and empowerment and self-care and self-love. That's the basis. But mindful eating is key to sustainable weight loss and also a healthy relationship with food and an improved quality of life overall in this process. You can only be told what to eat for so long, but if it's in a shaming way and it's only what you're told and it's not appreciating the value of what you end up liking with what you're suggested to eat, that's I give suggestions, then you find what you like. If you don't look at it in a way where you're eventually going to kind of love this whole picture here, it's not going to last. It's not going to last. And it's not going to make you live your best life in the process. Yes, you can live your best life learning how to eat salads. You can. You can. <laughs> And the hydrating is important. Hydrating, again, I'm not going to tell you the obvious here. Obviously, hydrate with water. But I gave you a good idea before to hydrate with teas and even hot soups. So, yeah, like I was in the Chinese place and the soups, I'm sure, were very high sodium and thicker with cornstarch and whatever Chinese places do. But it still was the best option in the moment that I made for myself intentionally by saying, if I stick with a lot of liquids, I think I'll get fuller faster. And I'll slow down. It will also hydrate me and it will fill me. So I definitely feel hydration, not only day of, day after, before. Obviously, hydration is always important and maybe kick it up when you know a big meal is coming. But during and even in the forms that help you in the meal, take space, you know, all these are overlapping, as you see. So hydrate. I personally, my next tip is, is also a personal tip. So we're at tip number five, sodium. I watch high sodium culprits. They just don't make me feel good. And if I would add to this, I would add heavily fried foods. Not that you can't indulge. This isn't about making a choice. If you want to have it, totally have it. Work it in. Do it in a way that's mindful. Make your choice. Make your decision. If it's the best thing that you love, do it. That's that's not me. I really don't feel well from super high sodium foods and high fat foods in terms of the fried, steeply fried foods. Doesn't mean I wouldn't have it. But by saying it, making it a point for you, it definitely I'm hoping would give you a little more bit more mindfulness when you're choosing it to be careful. Because what we're going to talk next about is how to de-bloat, how to move forward, how to feel good after the fact. And high sodium, high fried foods sort of just honestly, they take longer to digest. They take longer to filter through. And that's related to the yucky feeling after, not the guilty feeling, not too many calories feeling. I'm going to get into how to feel your best after this. And it's not always the obvious, oh my God, I gained a thousand fat pounds. You don't gain a thousand fat pounds overnight. So if I can give you an, a behind the scenes tip, BTS tip, no BS, BTS tip, it's to watch obvious high sodium, high fried foods. 
And I said the obvious because obviously we don't know how people are cooking. Some Personally, I could taste it because I'll make something the same as someone else. And I'll be like, why doesn't mine taste like that? And it's like, well, I don't add that much salt or that much oil, <laughs> which is funny and totally enjoy it. This is not a conversation about treating yourself. I have other podcasts on treating yourself. This is about how to come out of heavy social situations that have other food options around that you can potentially manage better so you can feel better after. So that's what I'm going to touch on now. And potentially we're going to do a follow-up to, uh, since this is the holiday season for social eating, holiday eating. And I love feedback on this podcast so that I could present you the second one of questions you might still have. But we're going to go through now what to do after. Oh my God, we did this. This Again, I'm probably going to make another podcast, but I do want to touch on some points and we'll probably just flush them out a little bit more on another podcast, but ways to de-bloat after. And the reason why I want to stick it in here in this podcast and put a place here is because you have to understand that as much as you can plan for something, first of all, you need to go in with a degree of flexibility. You're not aiming to be perfect and nothing is nothing. Don't ever say, I'm not doing this, whatever. You have to leave an opening because ultimately not everything is within your control, but your actions after are, they are, even there's there's flexibility and your decision and your mindset through this whole process is what's going to dictate your next move. And I'd argue because it's never one spoon of sugar that made someone diabetic. It's never one horrible, unhealthy ingredient that makes people obese. It's never the one meal or the one day that did anything damaging forever. You will live, you will survive this God willing. I'm not talking about underlying other issues. You will move forward. You will move past this. So you have the power to help yourself move past this. This is your decision now moving forward. And here's what I would tell you to do. First of all, there's so much to say with walking, okay? And I don't just mean to burn the calories. Actually, I don't. I don't even mean to burn the calories. Obviously, that's nice. But remember, we're talking about no BS, BTS. So going for a walk actually helps stimulate your gut. It starts moving your system along, even if it allows you to pass some gas, let's be honest. Okay, so it'll start helping with that bloating by just moving things through. When I grew up, we weren't about eating healthy, but we grew up in the Jersey Shore. I, I live here now. I'm very happy to be back three years already because it was very much a part of our life that after a meal, we went for a family walk. It was really nice. We would take a trail. We would find the woods. And I never thought of it as exercise. It's just something we did. After a meal, we went for a walk. Sometimes it was just around the block. That's it. Just around the block. I'm not talking about burning calories. That's why if you think about it only for calories, you'll be like, oh, what, what's walking around the block once going to do? I'm telling you, walk around the block because it even stimulates your system to start moving, even if it st starts to help you release some of that gas. Okay, so it'll start de-bloating out. The next one is yoga. Okay, everyone knows I got into yoga more and more in my later years because it really helps you move things along. There are certain poses you can even look up on YouTube that, again, help start moving your system along. A lot of bloating needs assistance to help pass through. Not crazy detoxes that shock your gut and mess up your gut even more. You're trying to be gentle with your gut and massage things through quite literally is the next one. But through yoga poses, child's pose, happy baby, squats even, Make sure you're utilizing the right pelvic muscles, 
There are so many people on Instagram these days doing great pelvic floor PT work and tutorials. Try to follow some of those people. I'll try to add that to the YouTube on the bottom of some of my favorite pelvic floor accounts to follow. But that these types of things are what help with bloating after not crazy, quote unquote, detoxes that shock your system and make your gut more a mess. And remember, short term solutions are typically not long term solutions. Uh, drinking teas again, I'm bringing up, but specifically I talk about in my second book, secrets of a kosher girl, mint tea or adding mint or hot water with mint leaves. You can add some lemon. Sure. But mint leaves have anti-carmative properties. That's called like anti-gas properties. They help with bloating. So do fennel tea or cooking with fennel or chomping on fennel after fennel really helps bloating. They use that in these baby liquid drops when they have this reflux when they're infants. So that's really great. Uh, you could also do green teas and all that, but the mint and fennel teas are very well known for bloating. Abdominal massage. So again, I'm getting technical with you because I started doing this on my own of waking up those lymph nodes. So if you look again, I'll put the pelvic floor PT uh, videos, but there's sort of like a gentle way you can lymphatic massage kind of like around that area and actually really helps because all you need to do is start stimulating your system, get hydrated, start eating well. Um, there's even maybe essential oils you might want to look into that are quality ones that you can massage with uh, in that area. And I love baths. I found Epsom salt baths really work for me. I know they're controversial in terms of clinical evidence, but I've only found them to help. I found them to help. I, they kind of calm my body down and maybe it's the calmness that allows my uh, lymphatic system or circulation to go through to help heal. I don't know. But in general, I love general supplementation, which of course speak with your doctor if it counterindicates any health conditions or medications you might be on. But I personally take turmeric. I take a magnesium for myself. Um, and I take probiotics. That's just my general. And if I really felt uncomfortable because I'm on a basic regimen, I typically would up them uh, around a season like this, just in increasing it by one just for a few days and then probably go back to back to my baseline. But that's why it's really nice to have a whole overall healthy wellness habit. And that's what I'm going to end with today, that what is more key here than anything is making sure you live just like a wellness lifestyle, which is why my company shifted to Nourished by Beth, which is more of a wellness company, because it's not just about the food. The food is connected to all the other umbrellas of wellness, mindfulness, movement, spirituality, even, and food, of course, nutrition, sleep, these things are all important to work on synergistically. So one can always hold you up when the other might be lagging, whether by choice, because you want to enjoy the holidays more food-wise, but or not within your control. You always know and trust yourself and in your abilities that you'll pick it up somewhere. You'll go for a walk. You know, you'll drink water. There's other things you can do when, let's say, food is not optimal, whether by choice or not. And then remember, my point here today was... There's always things you can do after. It's never over. You survived, you will live. Your choices after dictate the long-term results or consequences, you can say, of what happened before. So whatever did happen, move forward. It's okay. It'll be okay. You'll be okay. We can learn from it if we want, or we can just move forward 
And I hope you have a really great holiday season and I hope this helped. Don't forget to tune in for more episodes on Spotify and be sure to follow us on TikTok at Instagram at Nourished by Beth for more wellness ideas. Mm-hmm.